couple weeks ago, I was uh, watching this young couple be interviewed, uh, and it was about finances, and they had gotten so into debt because they'd made a bunch of dumb decisions. Um, he, had, he had gotten all this student debt, and then he got a car, and he couldn't afford a car, and then um, he uh, falls in love with a girl, and she's got all this student debt, and he can't afford a ring, so he just puts it on the credit card, and it's, it's a nice ring. And he couldn't afford the wedding, so his part he put on the credit card, and he couldn't afford the, uh, um, the honeymoon in Hawaii, but he said, you know, you only live once, you need to go do that, so he puts it on the credit card. And he, then they go and they buy a house. So all of this stuff, they just have this incredible amount of debt. And so they said they finally decided to go to a financial counselor, and they go to the counselor, and they're um, sitting there, and the, the wife is speaking, and she said, when the counselor put it on this graph up on his computer screen, she said, here's zero, and, and our net worth was way down here in the red, and she said the red was just huge, and she said, I sat there in that moment, and I said, dear God, all I want in life is to be worth nothing. I want my net worth to be zero. And she said she's driving home telling her husband, honey, if we could only be worth nothing, I would feel like our our lives, we've accomplished something in our lives. So she was saying the greatest thing that God could do for her was help her be worth nothing at all to get rid of all of that debt. Now, I was thinking about this and and I want to ask you, if God were to come and to ask uh, ask you if you could have anything, you ask God for anything, what one thing would you ask for? Some people would say, you know, I'd I'd want healthy relationships. Some people say, I want to be married. Some people say, I want to be out of debt. Some people would say, I just want fewer problems. Well, in the Old Testament, God actually came to Solomon and he asked him this question. Solomon was King David's son. When David, uh, just before he passes away, he transfers the kingdom to Solomon. And Solomon's a pretty young man when he becomes king. And God comes to him and he says... You can have one thing, one request of me, and I will give it to you. And, and Solomon didn't ask for fame and fortune and all this other stuff. Solomon says to God, he says, God, I, I'm a young man, and I do not know how to govern your people. Would you give me wisdom? And the Bible tells us that God was so pleased with his request that he said, not only will I give you wisdom, not only will I make you the wisest man ever, but I'm going to give you everything else that everybody else wants, fame and fortune and power. You're going to have all of that because you ask wisely. And we're going to be looking at a book that Solomon wrote called the book of Proverbs today. And we're going to find out from Solomon's life this truth, that wisdom is literally the key to everything else that you want in life. And we're going to start with Proverbs 8.11. Look at what it says. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Really? Rubies. Who who knew? I had no idea what what rubies were worth, so I had to look it up this week. And I was doing a comparison, and and I found out that that a one-carat ruby, the highest quality ruby, not this little cheap stuff, but the highest quality ruby is twice as expensive as a one-carat diamond. So I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. But then I started researching further, and I found out that a three-carat brilliant diamond, you ladies know what that is, I just think it sparkles. But a three-carat brilliant diamond is worth about $16,300. The highest quality ruby that is three carats is worth $163,000. Ten times as much. That's, that's pretty impressive. And then I decided to do a little bit further study, and I looked at gold. Who wouldn't want gold right now? Gold prices have gone up. You know, who wouldn't want gold? I found out a gram of gold One gram of gold is worth $52.50, as of earlier in this week when I looked at it. A gram of rubies would be worth over $50,000. Which would you rather have, diamonds or rubies, gold or rubies? And so what this this is saying, what the Bible is saying, I love the Bible because, you know, it always knows what's up. 
This was written thousands of years ago and it's still true today. God is saying wisdom is far more valuable to your life than you can possibly imagine. And if you would get wisdom, it will bless every other area of your life. So look at Proverbs 4, 7. Here's what it says. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. So if it's the most important thing, according to God's word, if it's more valuable than the most precious stones, maybe we ought to understand what wisdom is. So here's the definition. Wisdom is seeing things from God's point of view or God's perspective. Seeing things from God's point of view. It's not knowledge. You can get knowledge a lot of places. You can go to school. You can go to trade school. You can go to college. You can become educated. You can get all kinds of knowledge. But just because you have knowledge does not mean that you are wise. I know a lot of very educated people who are fools. And on the other side of that, I know some uneducated people. I was thinking about this today. I've got two men in my life who never finished high school. And in fact, um, I don't think either one of them finished junior high school. One of them's my dad. And my dad has wisdom because he's got some common sense. And this other man, um, he's, he's one of the wisest men that I know because God, they see from God's perspective and not from man's perspective. Fortunately for us, Solomon wrote this down in the book of Proverbs. And there's 31 chapters. I know a lot of people that read a chapter a day because you can go through it in one month. And it's so jam-packed full of, of wisdom and information about relationships, about jobs, about how to... Uh, uh, handle your money and your time. Lots of folks read a chapter a day. So we're going to start off, we're going to look at what Solomon says is the purpose of Proverbs, starting in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Now this is from the Living Bible. There are pro- these are the Proverbs of King Solomon of Israel, David's son. He wrote them to teach people how to live, how to act in every circumstance, for he wanted them to be understanding, just, and fair in everything they did. I love, I love how this says this. I want to make the simple-minded wise... So he's saying, if you're unexperienced or uneducated or dumb, Proverbs can make you smart. He said, I want to warn young men about some problems they will face. And this goes for young men and young women. Let's just define that. I'm 48. Young is anybody younger than me. Tough crowd today. So he says, if you're young... The smartest thing you can do for your future is immerse yourself in the book of Proverbs. And he says, I want those already wise to become the wiser and become leaders by exploring the depths and meanings in these nuggets of truth. So that's what Proverbs is, is a bunch of nuggets of truth. And here's what I want you to know. All of the problems in your life come from a lack of wisdom. You don't have wisdom in relationships and you make bad decisions. You don't have wisdom in finances, you make bad financial decisions. And, and see, we think they're right. And the Bible even says this in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 12, one of the most famous verses. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. What, what Solomon is saying is, sometimes what you think is right is literally a dead end. And think about this. I make decisions with my money, and I think they're right at the time, but they end up being a horrible dead end. I get in trouble. I make decisions in relationships that at the time seem right, but they end up in a dead end. There are career moves that seem right to me, but they're just flat out wrong. They're foolish decisions. And when I lack wisdom, I keep running up against dead ends. This last week, um, I was going out to see Wes out at uh, Elkhart High School. And I got there way early. I left early. I got there early. And um, so I was sitting in the parking lot at Elkhart High School thinking that I'm going to use my smartphone to get on the internet. Well, my smartphone becomes uneducated in Elkhart because there's no signal there. And so who knew? I'm sitting there with no connection. And I thought, wow, I got a lot of time to kill. 
So I decided to drive around the city of Elkhart. And I mean, I've, I've been through many times. I've ridden my motorcycle out there, been through. But I decided to go down some roads I hadn't been down before. And so I go down and I'm turning on this one road and, and nobody's going to be surprised that I'm coming down this road and it starts out fairly large. And the further you go, the, the narrower and the narrower it gets. And people on the road that are coming this way are looking at me like, you idiot. And, and I soon found out because I come to where it comes to a dirt road and then there's this big yellow sign that says, dead end. Now, what do you think I did when I came to the dead end sign? I turned around. I could have debated the sign you don't know what you're talking about. I'm smarter than you are. I could have gone back to the start of the, of the road and said, let's try this road again and let's pay more attention and see if it ends up in a different place. That would be stupid, right? It's always going to lead to a dead end. Proverbs was written to you to keep you from dead ends in life. If you're currently staring at a dead end, it's because you've ignored the wisdom that God gives all of us to help us avoid those dead ends. Let me give you an example. How many of you would say, I don't have enough time to get everything I need to get done in my life? Just, just let me see a show of hands. Okay, less than half of us, the rest of you are lying. <laughs> That's a wisdom problem, both lying and not having enough time. Both those are wisdom problems. Here's what it says in Proverbs 9, 11. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. The wiser you are, the better decisions you make, the better you manage your time, the more time you're going to have of it. And time management or lack of time management skills is a wisdom problem. And then the last half of that verse, it says, wisdom will add years to your life. That's a flat out promise of God that if you'll live wisely, you will live longer. Now, how many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you would like this year to be better than last year? Let me see your hand. Almost unanimous. Rest of you, you can, you can give a testimony about how you, not, you didn't live wisely this year and we'll put it on video and put it on YouTube. That's a wisdom issue if you want your life to be better this year. Look what it says in Proverbs 15, 24. Wise people's lives get better and better. Why? Because we're not making the same mistakes over and over again. If I'm wiser this year, my life is gonna get easier this year because I'm not repeating the mistakes of the past. Now, we're going to look at a passage, and I want you to pay attention. There are seven promises of God in this passage that are pretty much over the top. Look what it says in Proverbs three sixteen through 18. This is from today's English version. Wisdom offers you long life as well as wealth and honor. There's three of them. Wisdom can make your life pleasant. In other words, if I make foolish decisions, my life is hard. If I make wise decisions, my life is pleasant. It's easier. So, if uh, wisdom can make your life pleasant and lead you safely through. The Bible is actually saying that, that wisdom offers protection from foolish decisions that you make in your life, can help you from doing something stupid or even dangerous. Those who become wise are happy. If you want happiness, the Bible says, wise up, start making wise decisions and you'll be happier. And then the last one says, wisdom will give them life. These seven benefits, benefits are so over the top that if I didn't know they came from scripture, I would think that this was some kind of infomercial. Can you imagine you turn on the TV and I hold up a product and say, this product will give you long life. It will make you wealthy. It will bring you honor. It will make your life pleasant and easier than before. It will lead you safely through the problems of your life. It will make you happy and it will cause you to experience life as it was meant to be lived. 1995. And what would you say? You say, too good to be true. That's exactly right. But here's the thing. I didn't say these words. God did. And we ought to pay attention to them. We're not by nature wise people, are we? 
Do your children come out of the womb wise? No, they come out foolish and we have to teach them wisdom. Nobody comes out automatically wise. And the Bible tells us why in Proverbs 4, 5. Learn to be wise and develop good judgment and common sense. It's a choice. Now, you don't have to make the choice. You can be foolish your whole life. You can, you can have that on your tombstone. Here's an idiot. And, and people, if you are that, people will go back. And go, yep, that's the most accurate tombstone I've ever seen. It's a choice that you have to make. You can choose to be wise. Well, how do I learn to be wise? Well, I've got an acrostic. Y'all know I don't do this very often, but I've got an acrostic for you today. It's learn to be wise. And so let's look at this real quickly. Number one is listen to God's word every day. If you're going to learn to be wise, here are the keys to doing that. Not just listen to the radio, not just listen to television. Wisdom comes from God's word. Look at Proverbs 1.7. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. They have to... See, all right? You, you can head back there if you need to. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. And then look what Proverbs 2, 6 says. It is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him come knowledge and understanding. You don't get wisdom and knowledge and understanding from the television. You don't get it from the internet. You don't get it from magazines. Wisdom comes from God. How many of you believe everything you read in the newspaper? No one? How many, how many of you believe everything you see on TV? How many of you believe everything you, re- you see on the internet? They can't put anything on the internet that's not true. How many of you believe everything that God says in his word is true? Okay. Why then do we spend so much time reading and listening to things that we don't even believe and we don't spend anywhere near the time in something that we say we believe is true? Does that sound wise? Sounds foolish. Tell me the logic of that one. Are you really going to be wiser reading about the Kardashians? That'll make you dumber. Anything you read about them lowers your IQ. Just That's a rule of thumb. <laughs> a wise person, Proverbs fifteen fourteen says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. We ought to, we ought to print those out and, and put them on our TVs, huh? A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool's fool feeds on trash. Um, you can, there's really only three things that you can put into your mind. Poison, junk food, or health food. Poison is stuff that's just not good for you. Pornography would be uh, an example of this. It is literally, if you want to drink water out of, a, out of a toilet that's been used, that's what pornography does for your mind. It's poison and it will cloud your mind and it will not help you ever. You shouldn't be doing that. But neither should you be reading those romance novels. You shouldn't be reading Fifty Shades of any color. It's going to make you dumber and it's going to, make, it's going to poison your mind. Wise people protect their minds. The Bible says that we put on the helmet of salvation so that we can protect our minds and only put good things in there, not poison. Junk food is just stuff that's it's not good for you, it's not bad for you, it's not necessarily evil, it's just not necessary. There's a lot of stuff on TV that's just flat not necessary, a lot of stuff that's junk, a lot of stuff that's poison. But wise people feed on truth, that's brain food. It makes you wiser in your relationships, it makes you wiser in business, it makes you wiser with your money, it makes you wiser in parenting, wiser in your marriage. All the other benefits, all the other areas of your life benefit because of wisdom. Second thing, you're, you're going to listen to God's word every day. Second thing is you're going to enlist friends who challenge me. 
If you're going to be wise, you got to have wise people around you. It's like that old phrase, you can't soar with the eagles if you're running with turkeys. You got to put some smart, wise, godly people in your life. If you don't have those people, you need to find them. You don't need a lot of them. You don't have to be all popular and stuff. You just need a couple of really good friends who are wise, not fools. If you hang out with fools, you'll become a fool. Thank you. I talk about small groups all the time, and it's because I believe this. You cannot grow to spiritual maturity by yourself. You need a group of godly people to come alongside you. You you could go up on, you could become a monk and go up on a mountain and you could read and you can get all kinds of knowledge, but you do not get knowledge in isolation. Knowledge depends a lot on relationship. And that's what you get in small groups. We can worship in a crowd, but you cannot fellowship in a crowd. You can fellowship in a small group. The quality of the rest of your life will largely be determined by the group of people that you keep closest to you. I hope they will be wise people. If you have stupid people around, you're going to be stupid. Thank you. You need a group of wise people. Uh, I've I've been quoting this verse since I was a a youth minister all the way back in the day, almost 30 years ago. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. That doesn't just apply to teenagers, does it? It applies to adults as well. There is peer pressure in adults. We do dumb things when we're around dumb people. We do smart things when we're around smart people. Now, um, let's see. Braden, you're going to come help me. Come stand right there. This is Braden. Everybody say hi, Braden. She's one of our friends, and she's in for the weekend, and she may not come back. Okay, now, you're going to try to pull me down, and I'm going to try to pull you up. Ready? Come on, come on, come on. Come on, Braden. Come on, Braden. Get your sister up here. Come on. Oh, Hannah wants to help. Come on, all of you. Oh, there's such a bad influence on me. Now, is it easier to pull somebody up or pull somebody down? Pull somebody down, and, and you're a true friend will never pull you down. A true, godly, wise friend will always pull you up. So who, who are the majority of people in your life? And you're like, well, I have stupid relatives. I'm not talking about that. You can't pick your relatives. You can and should pick your friends wisely. Who is it that you're hanging out with? Here's what it says in Proverbs 13, 20. Spend time with the wise and you'll become wise, but the friends of fools will suffer. Do you have anybody in your life who puts God stuff in your life? They input God. They input good in your life. If not, you've got to have them. And uh, if you don't have that, people encouraging you, you're going to give up and you're going to stop doing what's right. How big is a group? Now, ideally, we try to keep small groups 12 or, or smaller. But honestly, the best small groups are the smaller small groups. Now, I'm talking about you find a couple of friends, three. I'm not talking about two. Two's not really a small group. Two's a date. Um, you can go on dates, and you need to have devotionals on your dates and stuff like that. But you need at least a couple of people to hang out with. What we're calling those are triads. Here's what I'm asking you to do over the next few weeks. I want you to find one friend of the same sex. That way it's not a date. Find one friend and say, would you read this book? I thought they were going to come in yesterday. They don't come in until tomorrow. We're, we're giving out copies of the book Multiply. And it's how to become a disciple of Christ. 
And if you'll ask one friend and say, hey, would you find one? Would you do this book with me? We're going to read a chapter a week. You meet once a week. You don't have to meet every day. You meet once a week and just discuss this. You're going to be deeper and you're going to have more wisdom and, and understanding by the time you finish this book than when you started. And then you say to them, find one other friend and you got three. You've got something called a triad. And if you're willing to do that, Today on your cards, I'm going to have you write down that I want to be a part of a triad, and next Sunday, I'll give you a book, you and your friends, and then you start meeting once a week, read a chapter a week. I guarantee you it's going to benefit you spiritually. And some of you are going to say, well, um, I'm too busy to take out time for small group once a week. Really? Um, Would you have more time if you made fewer mistakes? Yeah, because you spend a lot of your time cleaning up the mess that you made with your foolish decisions. If you make wise decisions, you'll have more time. Would you like to make wiser decisions? No one? Okay. Would you like to make fewer mistakes? That's called wisdom. You know where you get wisdom? God and a group. You're not going to grow where you need to grow in isolation. It does not happen. Third thing, ask questions and accept correction. If you want to be wise in in life, if you want to be a wise woman, wise man, not a wise guy, and you want somebody to say, that person is a person of wisdom, then you've got to learn how to ask questions, wise questions, and and accept correction. Now, you can learn from anybody. People can teach you things. Uh, Look what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 5. People's thoughts can be like a deep well, but someone with understanding can find the wisdom there. Everyone's got something to teach you. The folks who are sitting on your row today, they know things Uh, in areas that you don't know anything about. You know some things that they don't know. I know some things you don't know. You know some things I don't know. We can all benefit from one another if we'll learn how to ask questions. Last week at at my small group at my house, we only had like seven or eight questions on our little discussion guide. We talked about those seven or eight questions for an hour and a half because everyone was sharing and it was church at its deepest. I mean, I love this. Don't, Don't get me wrong. I love coming here But what we do in my house is probably more significant than what we do here. And what the other small groups do in their houses is more significant than what we do on Sunday morning because people have a chance to talk. They have a chance to discuss things. You can learn from anybody if you learn how to ask the right questions. Proverbs 18, 15 says, Intelligent people are always ready to learn. That's a sign of intelligence. You look for new ideas. But when you look for them, here's the key. You have to shut your mouth. You don't learn very much while you're talking. You usually learn while someone else is talking. So in a small group, the host listens the most. The hostess listens the mostest. That's really lame. But um, it just kept going through my head. If you're shy, you ought to ask to be a host. Because you're supposed to talk the least. You know what a host does? A host says, here's the next question. You throw the question out there and just let it bounce around. Let people discuss that. And then you read it and you let everybody talk and you don't have to say anything. That's pretty cool, huh? You shy people. You should be leaders. Number four, remember and reinforce what I learned. If you don't remember and reinforce it, you end up having to learn the same lessons over and over again. Anybody ever done that? Anybody made a stupid mistake, didn't learn from it, made the same stupid mistake until you finally got tired of doing that and you said, this is dumb. I'm going to do something different. By the way, that's why we hand out these listening guides every week is because you need to do something with it. The Air Force says, United States Air Force did this study, and they found out that you forget 90 to 95% of what you just hear after 72 hours. That means by Wednesday, you've forgotten everything that I've said, which is one of the most depressing things for a pastor. 
Makes us want to hang ourselves. You don't remember what we said, so we give you this, and you write some things down. We ask you to make some application so that maybe you'll remember it. You don't remember what I said last week, and and honestly, I'd have to think real hard to remember what I said last week. You're sitting there, and you look real spiritual. But if you're not writing it down, it's going in one ear, out the other. There's no change in you, and that's why I I picked that video for today. Why do we go to church, the same church, going every week. And we get washed with the water of the word. That's what Ephesians calls this. You're washed by the teaching from God's word and you're encouraged by the word. You're fed by the word and you walk out and you're no different than when you came in. It's a plague in the church, not just this church, every church I've been in. We grow wide and we grow about that deep spiritually. You've got to make some choices that you want to be wise. We talked about the resolutions last week. This week, we're talking about some other choices you've got to make if you're going to be a wise person. Look what Proverbs 22, 17, and 18 says. Listen, and I will teach you what the wise have said. Study their teachings, and you will be glad if you remember them and can quote them. Did you know that, that memorizing actually increases your brain power? And it doesn't even matter what you memorize. You can go memorize the phone directory if you want to, and it will increase your brain power. You get smarter when you memorize something. And, and ever since I've, I've been in youth ministry, I've had people say, well, I just can't memorize the Bible. Or they'll say, I can't memorize anything. Well, yeah, you can. Used to, when everybody knew numbers, instead of just you dialed by favorites or whatever, I would, I would get up to the chalkboard and I would say to my teenagers, I would, I would just go down the row and I'd say, tell me all the phone numbers that, that you can remember. And the average teenager knew between 25 and 50 phone numbers. Why? Because they called them all the time. Things that are important to you, you will remember. A lot of guys say, I can't, I can't memorize, but you ask them. Wade Boggs stats from 1975. He wasn't even there. 1985. And they can tell you. What good does that do you? The things that are important to you, you remember. It's why your wife gets mad when you forget her birthday. Or you forget the anniversary. Honey, do you know what day it is? Yes. It must be an important day, right? You remember what's important to you. In truth... You will remember and rehearse and reinforce and review those things that mean something to you. And studies have shown this. Not only does, does it increase your brain power, it actually makes your, your brain more elastic. Or actually, it's called plasticity. It's the opposite of Alzheimer's. And they've, they've figured out that there's two ways to stimulate your brain and prevent dementia and Alzheimer's and other things like that. It's memorizing and it's social relationships, stimulating your mind in a small group. And so not only do you grow closer to God when you memorize, but your brain gets better and guys, your wives will thank you when your brain works better. Now, there are, there are, there are scriptures that can help you with anything. And, and years ago, I started memorizing scripture in, in areas that, that I needed some help in. For example, angry words. And so I I memorized Ephesians 4.26, which says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so if if I use God's word as a filter, I say, Let no unwholesome words come out of my mouth. I got some unwholesome words. But you use that as a filter, and, and you don't say those. Bitterness. I was talking to my guys at my at the table at the men's study this morning. Forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another just as in Christ God has forgiven you. You tick me off, that's one of the verses that I'm going to think of. You hurt me badly, I'm going to think of this verse and I'm going to say, okay, God, I see you on the cross. You forgave me while I sinned and put you on the cross. There is nothing people can do to me that's worse than that. And I realize I have to forgive. Temptation, this is one guys talk about all the time. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there is no temptation that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There is no temptation that comes in, in front of you that God will not either give you a door to get out or give you the strength to stand there. It's what you're focused on. Are you focused on God or are you focused on the temptation? How many of you need wisdom? James 1, 5 through 7 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and he will give it to him. He says, But when he asks, let him not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect that they will receive anything from God because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You really want wisdom? You got to have faith in God foul language or sexual talk, if you're one of those people that everything has a double meaning, everything has this sexual or or whatever undertone, this is what I'm working on right now. It says, nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk, uh, I have to look down, or coarse joking, which are not proper. You want to be a mature Christ follower? No, foolish talk, obscenity, or coarse joking. You look that up, it's dirty jokes. The Bible says we're not even supposed to tell those things. And yet you wonder why your mind is coated with filth and poisons because we put it in there and we put up with it. The Bible says we're not supposed to do that. That's Ephesians 5, 4. So you can memorize, if you decide to become a man of God or a woman of God, you can memorize. and, And if truth is important to you, then you will start memorizing truth. Last thing. I listen to truth, I enlist friends to discuss the truth, I ask questions about truth, I remember and reinforce the truth, and the last one is just real simple. Now do it. Because if you don't do it, you're not wise, no matter how much knowledge you have. This is the thing that has driven me crazy for 30 years in ministry. People saying we need to go deeper. I need more Bible study. No, you don't. You need to obey what you already know. You tell me what you know, and you tell me that you're doing that 100%, then you can make the claim, I need to go deeper. Because I'm willing to bet most of us here are are doing less than 50% of what we know that Scripture says to do. Let's figure out how to do it. Look what James says. James is the half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word, but do not put it into practice, you're like people who look, at, look in a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away and at once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free and keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, but put it into practice, you will be blessed by God in what you do. And I think we could add, and you'll have wisdom. Because here's what we do. We study the Bible, and we find something that somebody else, our neighbor or a family member, is bad at. And we look at them, we look down on them. I'm not like them. I got this one down. That's good. And God says, you're like the person who looks in the mirror, and you got stuff on your face. 
and you walk away and you forget about it and you go tell other people, let me get the crap off of your face. And they're going, wow, how can you see with that stuff sticking out your head? The Bible says when you look at it and you look at God, you become humble. And you want to draw near to God and He gives you wisdom. And before you know it, you become a person that others come to and they say, hey, can, can you help me out? I, I, got, I got this decision to make and I don't know which way to go. And, and, and I trust your opinion. Would, would you pray with me and, and help me know what, what God's telling me to do? If, if people aren't coming and asking for you to, to help them make wise decisions, could it be because they don't consider you to be wise? What are you going to do about that? You going to continue being foolish? You're going to say, it is time that I, I draw a line in the sand and I become someone that my children, that my friends, that my friends' children can come to when I need advice. See, there, there's only a few people that I want my kids talking to about life. Because I see the reflection of Jesus Christ in their lives. And if they're talking to them, I have a peace in my life. And I want to be that type of guy for your kids. That you know if they come talk to me that, that, that I'm not going to point them wrong. I'm going to point them to the Savior. Can you imagine a church where you could trust everybody to point your kids to God? You couldn't keep people out of a church like that. Let's pray together. Father, you do not bless good intentions. You bless obedience and wise choices. Wake us up, God, before it's too late. Help us have a hunger for your word. Help us to be a people who every decision we make is based upon the principles in your word. We want to be wise in your eyes, not in the eyes of the world. So God, you've got to come into us by the power of the Holy Spirit and give us the mind of Christ. You're not hiding from us. You're just waiting for us to become serious about our relationship with you. May today be that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.